0: Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership, and we do so by talking with recognized leaders who do not merely have jobs, but men and women who have been called to their chosen sphere of influence. All right, well, hey, listen, I'm excited to have Arthur Tripp with us on the the show this week. And uh, Arthur's formal title is the State of Georgia Executive Director of the USDA Farm Service Agency. Does that even fit on a business card?
1: It doesn't, and it's really long. and it's really <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, anybody with
0: that kind of name, they, you know that they're important. You know? yeah, yeah. So, hey, well, listen, on this show, uh, you know we, I have the privilege of working with kids each and every day. Uh, but one of the things that we've we've really been impressed with is just, our stories are never linear, yeah, right? That's right that's and right. so, so right. we kind of we kind of have this path, and it's true of teenagers, but it's also true of adults that we so often think uh, that somehow our you know we're going to make plans when we're in our 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 teen years yeah. or prior, and somehow these plans are going to be linear. Yeah. And our plans are almost never linear. Absolutely. And so we've, we've had a chance to chat, yeah. you know, just over the time that we've had a chance to know each other right. and uh, been out to your office and yeah. seen it and, yeah. and, you know, seen all of that. Yeah. We've had a chance to kind of tell that story. Yeah. But walk me through the story yeah. of what got you to where you are now. Yeah, certainly.
1: You know, look, I'm the product of a single parent household. I grew up unlike many other folks, which is, you know, my mom had a responsibility to take care of my sister and myself. The challenge with that is, is when you were raised by a single parent uh, and who is employed by the state, uh, oftentimes you don't have what you need. You know, I remember several Christmases without gifts. Mm. Uh, I remember vividly uh, in sophomore year of high school uh, getting picked up and my aunt actually picked me up and said, hey, Um, I hope you had a good day, but uh, we got to go pick your stuff up because you all just got put out. Mm. And so if you can just imagine um, just, you know, the toll that that would take uh, on an individual, particularly in high school and and, and younger. Um, But it was by God's grace um, that he sort of created a separate path for me. Um, I was able to uh, eventually go and uh, graduate from high school, eventually graduated from the University of Georgia. After they told me no, might you add, and uh, we'll go into that a little bit later, they they denied me. Uh, And I had an opportunity to go to the University of Georgia and uh, ended up with an amazing internship in Washington, D.C. And it's because of that, you know, I went there, there was always this sort of thumping in my heart that I needed to be in Washington, that I needed to be in Washington. I can never really figure out why. I can never really understand why there was this desire within me to just want to go. I didn't know the reason. I didn't know the why or the how.
0: From what age? Like what what age What age? It started
1: early. I mean, it it started uh, early. um, I, I, I could go
0: back to eighth and ninth grade. Did that come from a visit to Washington? Did Never that
1: come- had gone to Washington no before in my life. You know, you'd see it on TV. I, I sort of like politics. Uh, my, my first elected office was eighth grade homeroom representative. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I just, I just took a stab at it. But the thing for me about politics and policy was because of the way that I was raised, I knew that there had to be a way to help other people. Uh, I feel like I was the product of an opportunity where, you know, if this service was more like this or more like that, if we could tinker with it a little bit, we could help more people. And so that sort of created this burning desire within me, you know, why are things the way they are? Why are the laws the way they are? Why is our structure of our systems the way they are? And so I wanted to find a way to, to, to tinker with it and help more people because I felt like if we had more of an opportunity, if our state officials were paid more, uh, who who dedicate so many hours, um, if, if our teachers are paid more, who give so much uh, to our youth, then then perhaps uh, there could be a better tomorrow for, for a whole host of people. And so for me, um, that, that burning desire sort of came from what I didn't have. Uh, and so it led me to D.C., uh, did an internship. And it's so funny about that is I had no idea where I was going to go or why as, as I went there. But the funny part is, where I did my internship as a junior in college at the University of Georgia was where I got my first job after I graduated. Mm. Uh, and, you know, worked on Capitol Hill for several years, uh, for a little seven, eight years, working on policy. I started out as an unpaid intern. I don't know how that happened. Um, and uh, even when I got to, to D.C., making, you know, 30000 a year, driving around, you know, doing the things that other people didn't want to do, you know, to be seen as a driver in Washington as kind of the lowest man on the totem pole. But I said, look, why not? There's an opportunity for me to get to know the member of Congress better.
0: Who are you driving for?
1: Uh, David Scott. He's okay. a, a devout believer. Uh, he used to be chairman of the Rules Committee in the state of Georgia, which is a very powerful position. Uh, he's a member of Congress from Georgia's 13th congressional district, which is now near Atlanta, South right, Fulton, that, sure. that region. Uh, and and eventually rose up to be his senior policy advisor to sort of manage two powerful committees. Uh, but the neat thing about my time in D.C., which I was still figuring out, why am I here? You know, when you go there, there is a sense of pride uh, for your country. There's a sense of pride and duty, sort of like when you serve for the military. And all that was true, but the challenges that I saw, there was a lot of pride in personal uh, sort of engagement, and and there was a lot of just 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 a a negative spirit in the place that I didn't quite understand. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Uh, So a group of friends and I, we created a men's Bible study, Mm. uh, an opportunity to try to talk about, introduce Christ, that really spanned the political spectrum. Republicans and Democrats and independents and Green Party, because at the end of the day, it's important that you are identified for who you represent, which is he who called us to be there,
0: right.
1: uh, as opposed to be there to sort of represent yourself. Um, and so that, that's a little bit of uh, my story. I'll fast forward a little, a little sooner. Uh, left the Hill uh, after about seven years, seven, eight years, I believe it was. The time kind of escapes me at this point. And then I went and worked at the University of Georgia. I had a great opportunity. The Lord was, was thumping on my heart to come back to the state, to come back home. Again, I didn't know why. You know, these are things, you know, one of the things I always think about is, to your point, how did I get to where I am? Right. But there was this sense of, of urging. There was, there was an impression from the spirit that was just thumping at me. So I started applying for jobs to come back home, and none of them worked out. I was like, maybe I'm hearing wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I later found out was I wasn't hearing wrong. It was just the wrong opportunity. Okay. Uh, eventually got an opportunity to be a senior administrator at the University of Georgia in the president's office. Uh, ironically, the place that once denied me uh, is now employing me uh, as a senior administrator. This just shows you the providence of God, mm-hmm. uh, delayed but not denied, right? It's, it's, it's a very different uh, piece there. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked there for a number of years, leading some, some uh, different efforts, uh, trying to, to get a couple of programs up and running so that our underserved youth across the state uh, knew the importance of an education, knew that an education could help to create a better tomorrow for you. you know, we would go down, for example, to Stewart County. Uh, which is one of the poorest counties in the nation, not the state, but the nation, to go down to talk about what can a college degree do for you. But not only that, we were engaging with high school seniors who had no idea about the Hope Scholarship. So I'm sitting here thinking, how can we preach a better tomorrow for our youth when they don't know the tools and the resources to help them get there?
0: And and really, in our state, uh, they've held on to the, yeah. to the Hope Scholarship yeah. and the Zell Scholarship. Uh, in so many states, they've taken those the lottery funding, that, right. which is basically where it's paid for. That's paid right. from, right. Uh, and, and frankly, they've spent it on roads, and they've done other that's right. things. That's right. Georgia is one of those that's rare right. states that that's has right. chosen to hold on to that money right. and really use it for the next generation. That's right. You know, in, in a lot of states, and, and really in, in your leadership positions, there's this sense of a brain drain that yeah, takes place. That's right. We see, I mean, really, we can kind of label out certain states where we see... Th- their students fleeing from their That's state right. Right. because they don't have the opportunities of a UGA That's or right. a Georgia Tech, right. which are world-class institutions, right. and yet they're state schools, right. you know? Exactly so you were out kind of telling that story to t- these students. T- t- telling that story and trying
1: to really make it clear that they too can be a success if they stick with education. right. Um, not saying you have to go to college or you have to do this, but know what paths are open to you. Know what resources yeah. are there. And and there were there were literal seniors who didn't know about the Hope Scholarship.
0: So you're stepping into those situations, and you're becoming that example, right? Yeah. So often kids just need to see, hey, that guy can do it. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. met him. He That's looks right. like me. That's he right. talks like That's me. Right. He comes That's from right. a similar background. Right. If That's he right. can do it, I can do That's it. Exactly you know. Right. Did you have that person in your life? You like, know, was there somebody that you were emulating? Yeah, you know, because
1: of my family, you know, I had an uncle who was very, uh, very instrumental in that. I, okay. had, I had certain family members. My mom was very instrumental. And that, but a lot of my friends didn't. Right. And, and so what an opportunity to, to try to be that for other folks. Okay. Um, and, and I think that's why it's so important. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you finish. Right. And, and to learn that where you start can really sort of generate the tools and the resources and the burning and the desire to create a better tomorrow for somebody else. Uh, and, and to do that through the opportunities at the University of Georgia uh, was special it was very special. Um, and, and we created programming that has never been done before, but it's still there today. Mm. Um, that, that really, um, I, I still really enjoy seeing the videos and, and, and the testimonials. And I'll still keep in touch with the students that I would go and recruit when I was at the University of Georgia. And, and to be a senior administrator out in the road, that very rarely happened because you're doing administrative things. Right. But I think that we've got to sort of reimagine Uh, what it is that we're called to do in the spaces that we've been called to be in. I could be in this space and be an administrator and do the paperwork and sort of be around adults all day, but I can also sort of say, you know what, I think there's something else for me here to do. There's another mission for me in this space and in this place. Um, And that was just so important to me, and it's something I do in my current job. Um, You know, I've I've been called uh, by the President of the United States to lead an agency uh, that invests over a billion dollars annually in the state of Georgia. I have employees, uh, over 350 employees in the state, over 66 offices that I manage in the state. And so what an opportunity as well to engage our youth, to engage our young people in my job. Uh, about a third of my staff, they serve as loan officers. I mean, My agency, the Department of Agriculture's uh, Farm Service Agency, we operate as a bank. Mm-hmm. You know, So anyone needing uh, loans, access to capital or, or land or operating costs, that sort of thing, That's what we do. We also do disaster assistance. Say, for example, if if a hurricane or high winds or drought, which we experienced this summer, uh, affects our state, uh, we have a lot of dollars that we can help provide to our farmers, to our producers uh, in the state of Georgia so that they can still produce. One of the things I I don't know uh, that folks realize is food security is national security. If we cannot produce food in this country, if we cannot ensure that we can feed our population, we are going to be in trouble one of the greatest uh, reasons why we continue to be the most powerful nation in this in this world is because of our food aid right and when we when we negotiate with other countries when we engage with other uh, leadership uh, entities across this world one of the main things they request is food uh, to feed their folks and so it's it's so important but but the the, the second thing that is so important we are leading uh, several uh, different initiatives to engage our youth uh, trying to get more farm-to-school initiatives up and running. The Department of Agriculture, we have farm-to-school grants uh, that we put out there. In fact, we just closed one a month ago that would provide anywhere between $500,000 to help schools uh, get a garden at their, at their school, uh, to, to give them the opportunity uh, to teach their students where their food comes from. Contrary to popular belief, it's not Publix and it's Kroger, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's our producers. And and so, you know, how can we help our producers day in and day out? And how can we ensure that our young people are getting involved into the field of agriculture? I read the stat the other day. In this country, within the next 10 years, nearly 50% of our producers, our farmers, will be at retirement age. That's scary. It is. And so we've got to find a way to sort of backfill. And, 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 and what you're
0: doing too with investing one point eight billion dollars yeah. that, point, yeah. that you're responsible for—that's uh, that's really this influx of cash, yeah. but also for funding vision. That's right. You know, I, I, right now there's such a poignant example where we're seeing the war with Russia and Ukraine, oh, yeah. and we're seeing how the food disparity right. of just the wheat harvest that's that right. was taking place in Ukraine, and that's yet. Right. One, they don't have the safety to be able to bring the crop that's right. in. That's right. They don't have the ability to bring that crop to the that's port right. That's right. for them to ship it out. And that that's where, where it has been amazing for me to watch over this last little while, like the world shrink, that's where right. we really see right. how small the world is, that, that exactly. this impact of the war of Russia and Ukraine right. is impacting the food stability, right. and it's also impacting the things that we will oftentimes import and Georgia is really at the epicenter exactly right. of this agricultural mindset that's where right. we're still recognize the impact. What are some of the biggest imports and exports uh, in Georgia as far as Oh agricultural my gosh, you, you
1: can name it. I mean, we're always a top cotton producing state. Right? We produce over 50% of the nation's peanuts. Mm. Over 50%. 50%. I mean, wow. that's huge. Everything from corn. We have some of the most fertile land in the state when you compare it to the country. You know, there are several states like Michigan or Idaho, you know, potatoes or, uh, you know, some some places are heavy in vineyards and wine. We do everything, row crop, cattle, dairy. We have it all here. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing that we have is the Savannah Port. Right. To get it in right. and to get it out. Where I uh, spent 15 years. I'm we just, it, very we just, familiar it, with exactly the business right. of that, that port. And what's what's often lost on folks at a, is agriculture is the top economic driver in the state of That's Georgia. That's right. Yeah, you know, people folk, miss that. They miss it. They yeah, right. they see Coca-Cola. We think of Atlanta, Atlanta. We
0: think of all of the you know cosmopolitan nature. That's exactly of the right. Tech hub. That's right. And yeah. the
1: businesses have an important role in the state. That we can't take anything away from that. But at the end of the day, the top driver is agriculture. Right. And what a great opportunity! I think about it from a spiritual perspective. Uh, where did uh, God put Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. In the garden, right, and tend to the garden. It's the same premise today. We've got to tend to what we've been given, so that we can produce and feed people. Okay. So as we go about and try to not only engage and cultivate our current producers, as I mentioned before, cultivating the next generation of producers is so important. It goes back to the Genesis in the Bible, right? And so we've got to sort of making sure that we're taking care of principle number one, right. which is tending to the garden,
0: right? And we've had, we've certainly had uh, governors. With, with varying oh, levels yeah. of interest in yeah. that. I think right now Governor Kemp is pretty yeah. interested That's right. in the farming, and he's providing yeah. a lot of support there as well, which is which is pretty yeah, important. And,
1: and one of the things, you know, when I worked in Washington, um, you know, I worked on the Agricultural mm-hmm. Committee through, through David Scott, and it, it really is and continues and should continue to be, rather, the most bipartisan issue. Right. There shouldn't be a Republican thing. This shouldn't That's be right. a Democrat thing. We all have to eat. Yeah. There are two things that are certain. Farming is inherently risky, and people have to eat. And as, as long as we are able to see that objectively, we've got to be able to come together. You look at the legislation that comes out of Washington. One of the most bipartisan bills that continues to be is the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill is, is a piece of uh, legislation that's authorized roughly around every five years that sets the priorities uh, for agriculture in the country, what programs would be available? What resources would be available? But it requires buy-in from both sides, and and that's what every day should be.
0: I, I liked when when I was out at your office and we were chatting. Yeah. I love the fact that your position, yeah. while you 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 are are chosen by a particular party that's right your position can stay absolutely it's possible you can stay under under different leaders as you're going through yeah because it's not a republican issue or a democratic issue this is a let's feed our nation issue that's exactly right and there's no one who's excluded from that that's exactly right so i'm also really intrigued so here here by the way what's your degree in Political science. Okay, political science. Yeah. And so so uh, I love this fact that here you're go you know, you take this opportunity to take a, a low rung position oh, in yeah. Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, the first one's for free. Yeah. The second one's not a not a well paid position right. at all. That's right. And yet that allows you to rise to being a senior policy advisor. Right. Now okay. you come back home. As an aside, hey, when did when did your beautiful bride step into the situation? You know, it's are you already in Washington, or you yeah, no, I was.
1: All? It was it was so funny. You know, we went to high school together, but we didn't. Oh, did you really? I like to say she chased me since high school. She <laughs> has a different version, and I I'd probably <laughs> lean to her version. But we were always friends throughout college. She went to the University okay. of Georgia. She ended up going to law school uh, in, in South Carolina. But the unique thing is, we would come home over the breaks when I was in Washington D.C. I'd come home. She'd come home from South Carolina. We'd okay. spend time together. Uh, But I'll never forget, it was, I knew the Lord had called me to Georgia. Uh, And it was several months before I got the final call to come to work at the university that we started sort of communicating and conversing and conversing. And, um, you know, we were going to try this dating thing. And she said, I don't like long distance. You know, I don't want to do long distance. And I told her, because I've really felt that the Lord had spoken to me. This is who you should be with. He convicted my heart. And I told her, we don't make long-term decisions off of short-term circumstances. Mm -hmm distance I knew I was coming home she didn't know that right but she at that point was already living back in the state she was living in Georgia she was working living and working at a firm here but 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 we can't allow what we think to be an impediment to actually be an impediment because later the little that we know know, a couple months later I was moving back and we
0: sort of dated and
1: a year later we were married and now we have a kid
0: that's awesome yeah that's awesome um and so so you have this intersection of Washington being involved in agriculture now you get to come back your main office is, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether that's literally on the campus of UGA, but you're right, you're the right there. Yeah, right there. Uh, and so here you have this intersection of both UGA, yeah. your political interests, yeah. uh, and kind of the skill set that God has given to you. Yeah. Uh, and so where, where do you see that leading in the future? Where do you see that going? What? That is the big question. Okay. You know,
1: that's something I, I grapple with because I didn't see myself here. And you know, one of the things I tell young people all the time is have a plan, right? You should, you should sort of have a, have a sort of set of, of events that you want to see play out. But the key is you've got to have some flexibility. Right. You know, if you go through life in sort of this regimented structure, you know, at this age I'm going to do this, at this age I'm going to do that, you're, you're, you're sort of quenching the Holy Spirit a bit. Right. Because he has his own plans. Right. Uh, and so for me, I have no idea. You know, one of the things that I had to learn very on is to trust the one who sent me. Uh, When I left the University of Georgia, I was called, I ran an independent state senate campaign. People thought I was crazy. I mean, I left a senior position, well-paid, you know, I had all the luxury. I went through every football game, you know, Mm -hmm. know, Georgia football is huge, and I'm a big Georgia football fan. (laughs) But to have to turn that away at what the Lord was convicting me to do, which is to run this independent campaign for state senate in this region, COVID happened you, you know, in the state of Georgia, you have to get over 5,000 signatures. It's hard to get signatures when you can't open the door. Right. Uh, so we had to sort of scrap that. And so I was sitting here thinking, God, did I, did I hear you wrong? You know, you, you led me out here. I know you called me, but did you call me? You know, it's, it's that opportunity where the enemy sort of creeps in and, and he sort of creates that sense of doubt. Did you right. really hear? Uh, or Did you really do the right thing? And so, you know, there were several months where I was sitting there thinking, maybe I heard wrong. Uh, may, maybe I, maybe I did the wrong thing, but what I later found out, it was a testing of my heart. It was a testing of my resolve. It was a testing of my character. Are you going to listen to those around you? Are you going to listen to man? Are you going to listen to me? Right.
0: Uh,
1: and and uh, you know, not even a year later, I was called and now I've been appointed by the president to lead a billion-dollar agency. Right. And that doesn't happen. Right. That's not coincidence. And That's and right. so, um, uh, w- one of the things I always lean on is trust the spirit. Not your emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, my emotion was leading me, no, I can't leave this. Right. And not only did I leave, I had to leave within five days. Right. You know, I had everything going, and I, I had a dream, and, I, and there's a whole bunch of things that how the Lord spoke to me. Uh, and I had to up and leave the comforts of life in five days to do a, a crazy
0: run. So 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 let's let's kind of go down that that yeah. lane for sure, a little bit. Sure. So I I love the idea that when opportunities come, yeah. right? Yeah. There are some people yeah. who live in a season of yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I I talk about this idea of living in a season of yes yeah. that that if God calls us, yeah. we're going to do the audacious act That's of right. obeying. That's right. Right? That's right. And so That's right. so but there are so many people who their circumstances guide their path yeah. because they allow themselves to rely upon fear. That's right. That fear tends to speak into our lives, and so we don't get to enjoy the blessings of what God That's has right. for us because we don't think that he is capable of That's it. exactly You know, right. so, I mean, even you kind of jokingly talked about, hey, my first political access is in eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Running for this thing. Yeah. At some point in time, you know, the, the eighth grade Arthur yeah. is... You know, deciding whether you're what was the what were you running for? Again? Home, room Cla- Home room representative. Can you believe it? You know, <laughs> but but I'm sure that even in that setting, there are kids yeah. like, oh, you shouldn't do oh, that, or oh, there, you know, who you should, you know, you're not oh, capable yeah. of that. And maybe there's somebody else who who might look, you know, oh, uh, yeah. well, this person's already done this before, and so they look like they should have absolutely. it. You know, uh, and yet th- you have to be willing to say yes.
1: You have to be willing to say yes, and in spite of the circumstances. And what I left out was. I moved to that middle school in eighth grade. So that was my first year. Then. Nice. And nice. so oftentimes your calling may not be clear to you. Right. Trust what he is saying to you, though. Right. Right. And, right. and so I could have sat there in eighth grade and said, I, mean, I only know a couple of people here. I've only been here for a couple of weeks. Right. You know, I don't really know anybody here. The same thing when I ran for president of my high school, one of the first African-American presidents of Duluth High School. Awesome. Ran, I lost sophomore year. I think I ran for president. And all, it doesn't really matter now, but the the important thing is that you've got to step out of the boat, yeah. Particularly if you know he's calling you to, and and to differentiate and to discern the difference
0: between emotion and spirit. So important, and 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 so when we when we look at that, so often people are really their circumstances have yeah. determined their lives in a negative way. Absolutely. What what is it that makes someone yeah. say, yeah. "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to risk yeah. greatly yeah. so that I can succeed greatly" yeah. versus, "Man, my circumstances shape my future." Yeah. Some people would have come from a single parent home yeah. where under your Christmas tree, there yeah. were no presents right. a few times. Right. And we're c- coming from that single parent home yeah. where you don't have financial access. To yeah. s- Some people would take that as this kind of sense of almost victimization exactly to right. say, hey, I'm done. Yeah. Where, yeah. where you're instead reacting to say, I'm, yeah. I'm stepping into the unknown. Yeah. I'm going to step into yeah. my fears. Yeah. What is it that makes a person I, get I, you to know, that spot?
1: I, I come from, and to your point, my background, I've had it nothing before. Right. And so I have nothing to lose. And I think for me, what's so important is, you know, I think about bearing and carrying your own cross. You know, I think about, and and oftentimes, even in decisions that I make daily, I literally envision, and we've all seen Passion of the Christ, but I envision Jesus carrying his cross. Uh, We've got to bear our own cross daily. And I think that it's important, particularly for believers you've got to have a sound understanding and relationship and prayer life to be able to buck right. the status quo. Right. Um, if, if the voices around you, if it's, if it's the Twitter, if it's the Instagram, if it's the TikTok, and look, I look at that from time to time too. But if that's the dominant voice in your life, if, if it's the friends around you uh, that also come from a similar perspective, then you're already handicapping yourself. Right. That's right. the problem. You've got to expose yourself
0: to truth, and so and so, I love how you're saying you have to discern like what is me and yeah. what is the Holy Spirit, That's exactly you know. Right. And with all of our lives, you know, I, I say often that confidence and arrogance. Yeah, there's a, thin, a line thin line between confidence and arrogance. That's right. For whatever reason, God's made you a confident yeah, man. I hope I think so. The Lord made me the same. Yeah. But I have found that my whole life, yeah. my whole life, yeah. I've had to measure out the idea of. When is this James, yeah. and this isn't the Lord? Yeah. you know, yeah. And living in a season of yes doesn't mean you say yes to everything. That's exactly living right. Living in a season of yes is that you're asking for discernment yeah. on what are the things that are God-ordained, exactly right. and then to step into them. You know, I, I've, I've often said the expression that my courage is borrowed, yeah. that my courage is borrowed yeah. from a greater God That's right. You know, That's right. who has That's orchestrated right. my right. path and who is going to continue to orchestrate my path. That's right. My, my key verse is Philippians 2, 3, and it mm-hmm. says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition right. or vain conceit, That's right. but in all things consider others before yourself. Yeah. And my my whole reason for that is that I want this courage that is borrowed right. never uh, to hinder That's what right. God wants to do in my life. That's right. That when he calls, we go. That's right. And, and I love the fact that you can take this... Young eighth grade Arthur, yeah. who's stepping into the, yeah. the classroom and yeah. saying, "I'm going to run for this," yeah. and then you take the senior senior in high school yeah. stepping into that role, running yeah. for president, yeah. and now you're being appointed by the president of the yeah. United States to be running, you know, a 1.8 billion yeah. dollar yeah. Uh, department. I mean, that's yeah. that's just a beautiful picture yeah. of our courage being borrowed from a great God.
1: Yeah, and and I think to your point, it's so easy for outsiders to see that and be like, "Oh yeah, I can see how that connects to this, and it makes sense." I think we've got to understand that the the toil uh, and 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 sort of the, the the grit comes in those periods that aren't on the bio sure. that aren't right. So it's those moments where you are doubting. Right. It's those moments where you've got to ensure your prayer life is sound and consistent, and uh, your worship and and sort of your whatever you do right. uh, to have that sound relationship and that that um, that wrestling with the spirit, if you will. You've got to have that. Uh, as a check on yourself, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because it's so easy for folks to just see, oh, yeah, you started here. It makes sense. No, there's there's a lot that's of right. up and downs in that process. But embrace that.
0: That's right. Right.
1: And because that's you know, the world has to be burned off of you. That's something I always think oh, about. I like that. when you go through different things. And, you, you know, when I got denied from the university, when I got denied the first job I applied for, when I, it was some humility that was set in. Sure, sure. Right. And the, so the, the world is being burned off and and when you get nose right. at that embrace and, and that
0: and when you trust the holy spirit yeah. You can honestly say this denial was still God's word, It was God's word. will, it's, you know, it, and that, it's all right. that uh, we don't take the, the negative things shape us exactly and sometimes right. God has to play something negative exactly. in our world so that we can appreciate when we do receive something, exactly. you know? Exactly. Um, so I love, all right. So, so take me back to Duluth, Duluth yeah. High School. Yeah, Is that like where Duluth we're at? Yeah. So first African-American president yeah. of the, yeah. of the, That's what they of tell the class. the yeah. class. Uh, so, so has that been. Has that been a challenge? How do you address that idea of color? We live yeah. in a, a oh, world God. that sees in color. It yeah. just does, you know?
1: Well, you know, I see it every day in my role. You know, I'm an African-American man in agriculture in the state of Georgia. You know, there are times people look at me and they're like, what are you doing? Are you <laughs> sure? Are you, are you here to speak? Are you, right. And, and, but but I think that, um, y- you know, remembering who called you and who sent you, I, right. I, I sort of, I don't even indulge in those those moments. Right. Uh, because that gets you off track. Those are distractions. That's right. Um, you know, even when I was at the university uh, as a student and as an administrator, I, I faced a, a, solo, a host of situations where I, I could certainly sit back and think, this person, they really, you know, they really? but I, I and I had those moments mm-hmm. where I, and I had mm-hmm. to have conversations with folks.
0: And you have to rise above it. And you have to rise above yeah. it.
1: And, and the, the, the fortunate thing is, and you're a Philippians 2, I'm a Philippians 4, be anxious and worry for nothing, nice. nothing. And and for me, it's, it's it's when those distractions come, when those moments right. come, right. sort of resorting back to who called me and why am I here?
0: Well, and right. and so like our whole world around us is it's like it's made to find division, That's right? Really, it's yeah. it's it's like designed yeah. to find what separates That's us right. rather than what unites That's us. Right. You know, right. I, I love. Let me take you back to to Washington when you were talking about the idea of hey, you're sitting around with a group of guys, and you decide right. to start this Bible study, that's right. you know, and that's there's right. Republicans, and there's Democrats, that's and there's right. black, and there's white. That's exactly right. Like, like th- that's the issue, right, is yeah. that our world is so eager to strive right. for things that will divide us that's rather right. than find the things that unite us. That's, right. that's and, right. And that's ultimately, man, that's such a huge task that's in right. our role as leaders right. in the world around us is to rise above. That's right what's going to be first, you know, that's 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 really kind of the essence of this podcast is that we want to take people who are vocationally at Mm -hmm. the top of their game. Mm -hmm. And yet they're also bold in their faith. We've found what's What's central? We found yeah. what should be at the center, and it's yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, exactly right. and, and that's, that's exactly like right. I love the fact that we can come from different backgrounds. Yeah. We can, and yet every time we see each other, we're hugging yeah. each other, yeah. and oh, yeah. because we're brothers. That's right. That's you know 100%. That our central unifying factor that's is Christ, right. and that's that right. supersedes. At least it should supersede everything, everything else. Is. That's exactly you know? right. How does uh, like just a, a vicious machine like Washington D.C. Uh. How do you pursue that, even in the midst of that chaos? What does that look like? You know, for for me, it it, it wasn't easy.
1: Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, because—and that's what really led us to form that Bible study group. You know, the great uh, thing—there's the the chaplain, Barry Black, uh, who is also the first African-American chaplain of the United States Senate. Mm. Uh, He held a Bible study every Friday, and so I I would go to that— Part of it was the free lunch, but also uh, (laughs) he was amazing. And he's a mentor to me to this day. And so, you know, when I would go there and see so many different people, from so many different parties, from so many different walks of life, I sort of use it as my core and my base, and I mm-hmm. built out from there. It was from that that I did his mentorship program. From that we sort of created our own mentorship program. But, but also, you know, we would I would minister on the tennis court. I wouldn't be out there with a Bible sort of yelling, but we would be talking about real life and some nice. of the challenges that we're seeing because here's the issue with Washington. You have a lot of pure, innocent individuals who go there as young staffers Uh, in their early careers, and they leave with warped mindsets and just a jaded perspective. And so how do we maintain that innocence and that purity in that space? And that's sort of what I saw my responsibility, even to this day. I still talk to a lot of younger staffers. Hey, don't become like your boss Mm -hmm. or don't become Mm -hmm. like that individual. You don't have to become what you're trying to change.
0: Yeah. Because once you become that, you've lost right. the battle and, and you have to we have to know what our mission is. Yeah. it's interesting earlier today I was working through with our leadership team here yeah. We always begin our time with devotion and, yeah. and one of our staff members were, was working through John six and John 7 yeah. and and where where Christ is emphasizing mm-hmm. that he does what the Father has called that's him it. to do that's it. even when he's facing ridicule that's even re- when he's facing that's challenge, that's he right. does what the Father is has told him to do and in his time, And so in in that section in John, Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. He has the power to oppose, and yet he understands what his mission is. And that's where, like, even in education and leadership – I have to constantly remind myself. My primary mission is Christ, mm-hmm. right? That's it. Now I'm also an educator. So right. if we're going to do Christian schooling, we have to do the Christian side well. We also have to do the schooling That's side right. well. Right? That's right. That's and right. So That's and so, right. my primary vocation is to honor Christ. That's right. But my secondary still has to be you rigorous and vivacious and making sure that it's creative is the educational side for you. It's the idea of, Hey, you still get to keep Christ first. However, for you, you're providing agricultural needs. You're providing finances for farmers. You're providing all of those pieces. All right. Take me into the nitty gritty of your role in how you are impacting how yeah. your department how your yeah. you know the people around you I know it's it's not just you it's like 300 people yeah, you know yeah. so 3 350, 350 people 350, you're yeah. you're guiding through the state of Georgia how mm-hmm. they're impacting oh. the farmers yeah. in in the state of Georgia Look,
1: at the end of the day we can be the difference between you having a farm and you not uh, keeping a family farm in your family for generations previous before you right. to generations after you, right. we literally, and I've had stories where we have been that difference, uh, the, the the difference when having access to capital. Look, one of the things we know for sure is input costs are incredibly high. You think about fertilizer. Mm-hmm. You talked about the issue with Russia and Ukraine. Right. A lot of the raw materials that goes into making fertilizer comes from that region of That's the right. world. Uh, which is why we were really excited. You know, we announced over $500 million to boost the production of American-made fertilizer. Yes. So we're not relying on other countries. Absolutely, uh, we, we made an announcement for over a billion dollars that will be uh, reintroduced to our country to ensure that we have more American-made food in our lunches, reducing the independence on foreign mm-hmm. lands. And so those are the sort of the differences that we make every day. But when I think about the independent producer, it doesn't matter if you've been in it for 40 years or for four days, uh, there is a protocol and a process that sort of has to happen. People don't know you can call yourself a farmer, but when it comes to the federal government, you have to have what we call as a farm and or track number. Right. It's like a tax ID number. Right. You have to have that before you can get support from the federal government. And so the difference between being able to thrive and being able to produce and shutting your doors, that's, that's what we do every right. day and right. sort of reorienting um, our our team and our staff to understand that service is what we do. You mentioned being Christ-centered; that is my number one priority, uh, and and a part of that is serving. Right. Um, not only in my day job, but in my off day job, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so, but my my and reorienting our perspectives of our team to understand that um, I don't need you just sitting in your office. Mm-hmm. I need you out. I need you doing farm visits. I need you meeting with youth. I need you sort of just reintroducing a new way of doing things. Uh, because if folks don't know about what we do, uh, they may go under. Right. Uh, we introduced different programs and, and I want to just make it clear. Once Congress passes it, we implement and execute. Right. Uh, and and the, the programs that they pass, there's a lack of awareness generally in the state. There may mm-hmm. be a producer that has no idea uh, that we had a program called the coronavirus food assistance program, which uh, say, for example, if your operation was affected by COVID, if you could demonstrate a loss either through supply or, or um, you know capital from, from, from Workforce, uh, we could step in and provide some guidance and some assistance. Some people went under and they didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. So I spend literally four, uh, three to four days of the week, I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned my, my state office is in Athens, but as you also mentioned, I have 66 other offices around the state that I get to. Mm-hmm. I go to do roundtables with folks, with producers who've been in the game for a while, but also producers who are just getting in, uh, because everyone deserves to have access to the same information. Right. What you choose to do with it, that's on you. That's right. But know that it's there as a resource, and we make can help.
0: As I was researching for, for our, our conversation yeah. today... One of the unique things I discovered about Georgia is that we still have family producers, right? Oh, That's the vast majority oh, yeah. of Georgian farmers. Yeah. Where in the Midwest you have these large corporations Corpor- who are doing like like you know hundreds of thousands of acres, yeah. tracks. Like it's kind of astounding to yeah. see to see what's being produced. But in Georgia, we still have that family kind of yeah. homegrown yeah. options. Uh, grow. I grew up in Canada. I uh, yeah. grew up working on farms. You know, yeah. grew up. You know, when I was even even late elementary, I was working for a dairy farm. Yeah. I know what it is to get yeah. up at four thirty and yeah. milk cows and yeah. and do those things. Uh, and and so, our the farmer that I work for his name is Danny Lancaster, and, and Danny would always say, "I'm one storm away from disaster." And then that you is. know, that you farmers live on such a thin margin, That's right. uh, and so they need an organization like this who's going to be able to help with funding in in a storm season, That's right. or helping with just even learning and leadership. Yeah. Uh, one of the most fascinating pieces that i 'm seeing from agriculture is seeing how they 're using satellites to oh, map yeah. out watering policies oh, yeah. and watering provisions oh, yeah. so that they 're able to actually determine from sa- with satellite usage yeah. on certain sections of a piece of property that need more water or less water right. more more uh, uh, fertilizer or less fertilizer yeah. like I love that idea that those pieces are being added by this kind of, you know, this, this national organization who can help farmers.
1: Absolutely. And and we've got to redefine what farming is, mm-hmm. you know, particularly for our young people. Sure. And, and for sort of from middle age and older adults, because to your point, a lot of folks think of row crops. Right. They don't really unpack that it's also commodities, it's markets, uh, it's technology, precision agriculture. You know, we're growing things on rooftops now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're growing things on sides of buildings. But we're also using some pretty advanced technology where tractors are driving themselves. Right. I mean, and, and a part of that comes the need for uh, technology, for, for internet capability, for high-speed internet in rural areas uh, to make sure that, to your point, the American farmer, the family farmer, can stay in business. Uh, that's what we're in the business of, keeping you in business, trying to be helpful where we can. some things we can't do, right. uh, but there's some things we can, and it's our job. Uh, to make sure that you know all the resources are available to you so that you can produce, so that your family can make a living, so that your community can thrive. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about.
0: So I know that we've talked a little bit about the idea we're starting a greenhouse here next year as part of our STEM program. We're really excited about that. Uh, The teacher who's going to be leading that, she's a brilliant lady and and just has such passion for this. Uh, When we look at the idea of developing the next generation, you've had some guys, uh, men and women, step into your life and help you with guidance. Tell us a little bit about the idea of, what these youth programs look like and how you're developing this next generation.
1: So glad you asked. And, you know, in in October, we held our first event, uh, Advancing Agriculture, under the guise of our Urban Ag Initiative, uh, where we were able to reach over 1,700 kids in one week in the metro Atlanta region. And what we did, which is something similar that my son got the opportunity to experience here at Hebron, we brought the agriculture experience to them. Uh, You know, we we wanted to sort of get young people out of reading a textbook and to actually experience what actually comes from a cow, to touch a cow, to touch a chicken, uh, to be around a goat. And we provided every student with a pack of seeds to go home and grow something Mm. uh, and hoping that they will get introduced to production at an early age. And so for us, it's, it's bringing the agriculture experience to life. Uh, And what we are doing is, hopefully, we're going to take the show on the road. Doing in the metro region was our test case, Uh, but you would be amazed at the just just the uh, the expression of the students when they saw a cow when they came outside. Right. I mean, you would have thought that it was a a foreign alien. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's a cow, it's a chicken. It was phenomenal. And so, you know, the more that we can build. Bridges, and you build bridges from both sides, and provide pathways to get folks introduced, to get young people touching, tasting, feeling agriculture, but to also connect our young people with our producers in the region mm-hmm. who've been doing this for quite some That's time right. to get more communities across this state to create their own community garden. You know, one of the things we've we found through data uh, is that where you put a community garden, somehow, some way, it repels some of the crime in an area. Uh, We invested in a community garden. It's phenomenal. It's called the Village Community Garden down in Sylvester, Georgia. Uh, And it was in a a high crime area. It was really tough. And I encourage anyone to just Google it and just see what they've done. Uh, basically what they do was anybody in the community can come and take food from the space. Uh, they partnered with the local school system where students come and learn about agriculture, not just how to produce, but how to document, how to for, uh, take photography, uh, the life cycle, uh, how to do um, art, uh, you know they they've decorated the sort of beehives they've decorated the hoop houses they've decorated these chairs i mean it's it, there's so many disciplines that come from the foundation of agriculture mm-hmm. you know we're going to launch an initiative hopefully our, our goal is in savannah we're in talks with the leadership there that if we can bring this initiative of a of a large community style garden there you know the mayor said look we have the space if you can bring in the expertise." You know, Savannah's a culinary; mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a foodie uh, city. And he it's said, "Look, city. we'll bring in our culinary experts to teach families mm-hmm. how to cook the meals that they're growing." And so, for us, again, agriculture is at the genesis; it's at the foundation. And so, if we can have more people eating healthy foods, and it creates a sense of ownership to to see, you know, that 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 plant go from seed uh, to table. Uh, and to have some ownership for our youth and for for our for our community to just have buy-in, it can do wonders for communities. and that that's what we're launching across
0: the state. and I, I love hearing that agriculture can still be a a vocation for the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. That was a story that w- wasn't being told for yeah. a long time, which is honestly why we became, frankly, reliant upon so many other countries for it's a lot way. of our chief sustaining elements right. that we're, you know, and we have to take that back. We yeah. have we have to be, be self-reliant as a nation in regard to that. All right, so hey, we've covered a bunch of things sure. over our podcast. Uh, I love the idea of, of utilizing opportunities that come our way, yeah, yeah. not allowing fear to be the thing that guides us but allowing the Holy Spirit and really trusting that our strength our courage is borrowed I love your statement on opportunity go and to your point you know and I lo- I saw this somewhere recently you know fear
1: F-E-A-R false evidence appearing real huh. and I, I unpack that daily because I and one of the things I pray daily Lord is what am I living as truth that is false you know, so often the devil, the enemy sets up these pretenses of a falsehood that we're living out assumptions. Right. What people think about us, right. what what's gonna happen next, the worst of the worst. And and I pray God, help me to tear down. What I'm I, living as truth, that is that is false.
0: And we have to live that. And that's yes. that's really the second part of opportunity, yeah. is that when we have received opportunity, yeah. we owe it absolutely to, to get to invest back. Right. And and frankly that's why I love this idea of this youth program yeah. is that you're investing back into the kids, into this next generation. Yeah. That's obviously the heart of my life is yeah. is investing into this next, next generation. Absolutely. We talked a lot about the idea of circumstances, yeah. not allowing our circumstances to guide our futures, uh, but really letting those things be guided by, by who Christ is. Uh, We talked about our idea of unity in Christ being primary and everything else is secondary and tertiary. That we've got to make sure that that that, that unity in Christ is there. How about any other big leadership lessons that you Mm -hmm. have learned and that you strive to pass on uh, to the folks around you, whether that's young people or just colleagues?
1: You know, I've had to, and I'm I'm still uh, trying to live this out daily, uh, but not assuming anything. You know, you know, when I go and get gas or I go get a meal or I sit down with a group of staff members or producers and, I, you know, people may be sitting there looking at you like this or maybe a little grumpy. You don't know what people are That's going right. through. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, And and to sort of take down this this prideful narrative where you're looking at me that going because I'm black. Um, that may be true, but it also right. may not be true. Right. Um, or, or, or you're looking at me that way. Because, uh, tearing down that right. and say, you know what? This is not about me. That's right. You know, it, it, maybe the Lord designed for me to come and get gas at this time to shoot you a smile that could change your life. That's right. You don't know. And so I, th- I think not assuming right. anything, particularly with right. engagement with people, it always, it, it, it amazes me how we are the most advanced creatures on this planet that can communicate, but there's so much miscommunication right. in our daily That's engagements right. with folks. Yeah. And, and so trying to just whittle that down, I Just being nice to Just people. be nice. <laughs> I mean,
0: just, just be nice. Life is short. Put a smile on your face. Put a, you put know? a smile. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I, at church uh, this weekend, uh, I love this. They say eternity is just a breath away. Yeah. And, and what that means is it just describes how short life is. That's right. And and we're do not, we
0: live that way?
1: Yeah. Do we no. live that way? And I really do believe uh, that if we went through our daily sort of grind, not expecting to leave her today, but understanding that tomorrow's not promised, would we love deeper? Mm-hmm. Would we be more patient? Would we be more kind? Would we be more considerate? Right. And so I think if we lead, live with the end in mind, not from a doom and gloom, but just from a, you know, maybe I don't need to store all these treasures for forever. I'm not, I mean, it's not what this is That's about. Right. Yeah. We are vessels. We're here before a mere season for a blip on the radar and sort of living that out daily. I think it would free us up to be less tangled with the false narratives of you've got to be so uh, bound by what other people think. You've got to be so bound by the pressures of life that if the worst of the worst happens, this is going to be your forever. And that's not true.
0: Having a positive outlook, but that positive outlook being framed by humility. Yes. You know, that that should be our approach to it. Therefore, we're nice to the lady who might be having a bad day yeah. at the Walmart checkout. Yeah, we're just we're kind to that. You're kind like, to why it. wouldn't you be? You, you don't know? know what they're going right. through. And so, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, man, listen, we've talked about a ton yeah. of lessons in in uh, on the show here today, yeah. and I and I I I really, I mean, I just love the idea of building into this next generation yeah. uh, of, of of really learning. Yeah. I'm going to be super eager, I, yeah. and I know I mentioned to you this before, but I'm yeah. I'm just going to be super eager to follow your career and it. to see what God has for you. Uh, you've got a beautiful wife, I a wonderful it. son who who I have the privilege of working with here at the school, and right. and uh, and 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 just and love what God's doing in your world. Yeah. Uh, continue to live in that season of yes continue to live in that idea where you're just humbly stepping through the next door and allowing God to work man it's such a blessing to know you call yeah. you friend thank you and, uh, and it's great to be able to have you on the show we appreciate you being here today Arthur man,
1: thank you for having me. really really appreciate it Thanks thank you so much appreciate it
0: We have been overwhelmed with the glowing response to season one of the joy of leadership podcast thank you to our faithful listeners for tuning in every week and thank you for telling your friends and thank you even more for liking us on youtube or wherever you receive your podcasts while we are blessed to have faithful listeners in every section of the u.s our biggest cities being atlanta new york seattle and even wichita kansas we have been surprised by the global impact of the podcast We are literally reaching thousands around the world with faithful weekly listeners in Canada, Kenya, the Netherlands, and even Sri Lanka. We are humbled by God's favor on our program as we encourage others to keep Christ in the center. This show could not take place without the expertise and brilliance of our producer, David Bell, and our director, Blake Pace. Boldly lives at the intersection of vocational success and spiritual courage, email us at thejoyofleadership at gmail.com. Thank you for being a faithful member of the Joy of Leadership podcast family.